Welcome in, coming to you from the Concurrent Media Studio in the heart of Citrus County. However you're making this part of your day, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, through the Concurrent Mobile app or website, I am sure glad you're joining. Have you seen the footage from Southeast Florida? Oh my goodness, the time-lapse video of the storm surge, uh, Sanibel Island Bridge, crazy, just devastating stuff. Uh, By this time last week, we had started to see that eastern turn with Ian, and we all kind of had the feeling that we and Citrus were going to get lucky again, but wow, we dodged a big one. Uh, Hope you're doing great. I know I am. Got a great show for you today. We're going to pick up where we left off with last week's show and Sunday's column, uh, because have you noticed something? No one else is talking about the Baker Act facility. Uh, And there's still more that I want to get out because the issue is so complex and so consequential that I couldn't fit it into 750 words on Sunday, nor could I even in one full show last week. In about seven minutes, though, I will take a brand new approach in the second topic, not reacting to the commentary or the news in Sunday Chronicle, but rather a different part of it still focused on that Sunday edition of the paper. No, it's not the sports section either. You'll just have to wait and find out about seven minutes from now. Thanks for tuning in today. No county commission meeting today or next week as they are on a three-week hiatus, but still plenty to talk about, so let's get right into it. Relationships are messy. They're important to our survival, they're rewarding in other ways, and they're all the stuff that makes them worth having, but man, they're messy. And the closer and deeper we want the relationship, like marriage, the messier it can get. This is because we complicate relationships with additional responsibilities. You have to be there for the other person. Then maybe you share assets, like a house and a bank account. And then maybe a kid or two is thrown into the mix. My wife and I expect our first this Sunday. These extra responsibilities, these extra layers, can be complications. They're worth it, though. I mean, my daughter isn't even here yet, but we have her room set up and the car seat in the back and the onesie jumper with the little attached booties. I mean, come on. They are so worth it. So the trick to success isn't avoiding these relationships, isn't avoiding these complications, but it's sharing them with the right person. My wife and I have been together six years, married for four, and I think by some standards, we're late for having our first kid. So what took us so long? Me! I had to get into a place, professionally, mentally, emotionally, where I could demonstrate that I was the right person for her to share this beautiful responsibility with. And I think that is really where the county is with our mental health provider life stream. It's not that we don't want to build a mental health facility to have that relationship complication. We do. We badly want to share this responsibility with someone. It's that giving them a more multi-million dollar grant to do it in addition to the millions already paid for the services rendered, uh, we're starting to see the complications to this relationship that will lock us in long-term, and we're not sure we're ready for that yet. 
we're still casually dating Livestream, and yet the nonprofit has proposed not only to have a kid with us in the form of this Baker Act facility, but is also insisting on full custody in 15 years. I think some of the county commissioners have understandable hesitation with this because we don't even really know how into them we are. And the more I dig into it, I gotta be honest, the less I like. Livestream is based in Leesburg, Florida, Lake County, and receives a 75% state match for 25% local government funding. I had estimated this to be around $10 million from Citrus, but I pulled the nonprofit's Form 990 required to be reported each year. Uh, the most recent is their 2020 filing for the 2019 uh, year, and their 2019 annual revenue topped $51 million just for the center, not for the uh, foundation they have as well. There's nothing wrong with nonprofits having high amounts of revenue if it leads to a high degree of services provided. $1.5 million of the $51 million, though, were split among seven executive team members, including salaries in excess of $270,000 for the CEO and $280,000 for their house psychiatrist, along with some others. Strangely, the only one of these seven executive members to not make at least $200,000 was the chief financial officer, making about half of what most of the others do, with $117,000 salary. And weirder yet, she's the only woman on the executive team. Now, this isn't a pay gap accusation, but it's another part of Livestream that is just weird. It's just weird. And I'm probably overreacting, though, right? Reading too much into a situation that's causing delays in critical buildings needed in our county. Livestream is probably doing a fantastic job, and I'm worried over nothing, except we don't know, because they haven't been reporting contractually obligated metrics to the commission. Livestream's president and CEO was at the meeting and claimed this was an oversight or, or problems with a different middleman organization and that they'll get those reports right over. But one of the commissioners mentioned that they'd reached out to Livestream personally rather than relying on Livestream to send them the contractually obligated reports, and they still haven't received a response. Sign of corruption? No. But it's still something. And you can simply Google Livestream and see they have a 1.8 star overall review. Pretty dismal by any standards. And does this mean they're awful? No. But it's still something. And I'm not going to go as far as to say Livestream should undergo a contractual review, nor am I going to discount the idea that they are still the right organization to build this Baker Act facility with. But I do think there's room for compromise if we're going to share this responsibility. So hear me out on this last proposal. Right now, the problem with the deal is it feels a little greedy, right? Livestream is putting up $7.5 million for the land and for their share of the building, but getting at least a $12 million return on it, plus an expansion of their services rendered contract. So wouldn't you take the deal if you were them too? And now we know it's run by six men, all making a, at least a quarter of a million dollars, uh, and one woman who's barely making over six figures. And that doesn't feel great. And we're left with wondering where the county's return is. So here's my suggestion. 
make an educational requirement. The College of Central Florida is going to be right next to this thing, assuming it is built off 491 where Livestream took over the old center's building. So right into the contract that we as the taxpayers will help you build this eight-figure asset for your nonprofit and then after 15 years give it to you. But in return, we want you to set aside five fully paid scholarships annually and establish a training program for CF students interested in behavioral sciences in perpetuity of your ownership. Education is in the public interest, and while not being directly related to a return on investment, which I know everyone wants their governments to be run like a business, but ROI isn't really something governments should consider, this is a compromise to make it feel like we are getting some type of return. My closing thoughts on this is that someone, whether it's the commission, whether it's the media, vets this organization closer than what I have done because before we become long-term tied to them because we are inching closer to helping them fund this project. I have no problem with people making big money and in the nonprofit sector uh, with contractually obligated metrics not being reported properly and a deal that already feels bad for us. It just... It just feels like there are still too many question marks here to be happy about where this project stands currently. The relationship is still too messy. Getting to topic two, but first, I've heard some people asking how they can help support the podcast. Uh, The first thing you could do is to tell your friends about it, share it on social media. The next thing would be to click subscribe on whatever platform you listen from, Apple Podcasts, for example. Uh, And if you're really feeling generous, drop a rating based on whatever value you get from the show. Uh, Thank you for your support, and thank you, as always, for listening. All right, let's get to the Chronicle. A Sunday commentary was exclusively three different pieces about uh, Hurricane Ian, and you might have noticed I didn't talk a lot about the storm. Uh, There's plenty of that out there. It doesn't really fall under the topics that I talk about, so I'm going to take a pass on reacting to the Sunday commentary. But I do have a lot to say about the Sunday Chronicle. No, not the news stories. Not even the business or the sports section stood out to me. It was the ads. Two ads in particular from Sunday made impressions. The first was an ad that insisted audiences turn to your local newspaper for all the best, true, in-depth local election coverage. Okay. We still have an election going on, though, and even though primaries ended. There's the mayor and one city council seat in Inverness that have challengers. Mosquito Control Board is contested. There's a school board runoff, which, to their credit, they have done one more follow-up story with each candidate one on one race. And if you advertise yourself as the trusted election news source, it would be nice if the election was covered. I mean, my God, the city of council's uh, Inverness race could have huge implications for the direction of the county as one of the candidates is running on a theocratic platform. In addition to running on orthodoxy of a religious form of governing, his only other platform is to defund ads to the Chronicle, which is a ridiculous political stance. But it does bring me to the second ad, which actually had several different versions throughout the paper, including one full-page one. 
These ads were advocating uh, the Chronicle to keep its public notices in the newspaper, something that used to be required by law until this last legislative session when a new bill left that decision to keep advertising public notices in print optional with the decision now residing in local governments. The commission needs to keep public notices in the Chronicle. Now, I know my Republicans are crying out, but Bobby, my tax dollars can't go to supporting a newspaper that promotes ideas I don't believe in. First of all, the Chronicle is biased, but not on a left-right political spectrum. I've written about this extensively. Secondly, transparency is always better, period, full stop. The more we require governments to tell us what they are doing is at a minimal cost, and it will always be worth it. Commissioners, please don't let audiences on October 18th, which is the meeting in which this is going to be discussed, try to paint this as a liberal or conservative issue. It's not. It's an issue of communication and of transparency, and I am for more of both. And I bet if you ask the audience, they would be too. Let's keep public notices in the newspaper. That's all from the Bobby Winsler Show. Follow the concurrent on social media for the latest updates, and we'll be back next Tuesday at noon. If you want to join this conversation, find us on social, the concurrent Facebook, Twitter, go to the concurrent website, post on our discussion boards. Uh, the Bobby Winsler Show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio app, the concurrent website, and mobile app. I will see you next week.